I know full well the responsibilities that await me as I enter the door of number 10, and I'll strive unceasingly to try to fulfill the trust and confidence that the British people have placed in me and the things in which I believe. The voice, unmistakable, it defined the 1980s and lingered into this century. We are more interested in progress than in change. Progress through increased personal responsibility and increased personal endeavor. Margaret Thatcher, the conservative first woman prime minister of Britain, has died of a stroke after a long period of decline at age 87. She defined the UK, though, and set the stage for the politics of the 21st century. I remember how shocked I was as a young newscaster when she went to war to defend the Falkland Islands halfway around the world. The names the HMS Sheffield, the battleship Belgrano, all daily headlines. A generation ago, Margaret Thatcher's voice was there in the middle of all of it. I must tell the House that the Falkland Islands and their dependencies remain British territory. No aggression and no invasion can alter that simple fact. It is a government's objective to see that the islands are freed from occupation and are returned to British administration at the earliest possible moment. We'll have a remembrance this hour, and we know the very strong opinions of Margaret Thatcher during her lifetime as a politician are matched by your own thoughts about her. Would any of the songs of The Clash have had the power that they do without Margaret Thatcher? Love to hear what you think. The Thatcher legacy in our time, your own remembrances, your own stories at 8778MyTake or find us on Facebook. Joining us now is Claire Berlinski, author of the book Thatcher, There is No Alternative, Why Margaret Thatcher Matters. Welcome. Thank you. So what did Margaret Thatcher achieve that no one expected her to be able to do right there at the beginning? I think it is very hard for people to imagine now how unlikely her achievements were at the time. She played a role in politics that no one imagined a woman could play at the time. And she was visionary in a way that is now difficult to appreciate because so much of what she said is now part of popular understanding. Um, It must be remembered at the time that there was truly a belief that communism would win And when she came to power, it was not at all clear that the Cold War would end with a decisive decisive victory for the West. It was unimaginable that a woman could achieve what she achieved politically in Britain, no less to have stayed at the pinnacle of power for as long as she did, to have accomplished what she did now in retrospect we we see it as as something that's it's part of the 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 fabric of our understanding of what women can do what women in power can do but at the time it was it was not understood at all that women were capable of this or that britain was capable of what it achieved under her or even that the tories were capable of it describe how much on the defensive and really uh, how how much politically they were tiptoeing in the shadow of the of the labor movement in britain as she took office and took the conservatives way beyond where even they imagined they would go. Yes, it was widely believed in Britain that decline was inevitable and all that could be done was to manage this decline. In the 1970s, Britain was was believed to be ungovernable um, and heading for global irrelevance. And she reversed that. 
she reversed that through an extraordinary force of personality and a belief that it could be done. And um, I, I really have never... I've never seen another female politician with that kind of uh, with that kind of ability. Whether it's a freak of nature or whether we'll be seeing some, we'll be seeing it more and more of it. I don't know. Well, certainly the comparisons to Catherine the Great were 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 happening right around the time of the Falklands War. I remember, uh, as a journalist, really shocked that that would become a real confrontation and covered that war, you know, from Washington as a newscaster, and was just astounded at the level to which she took that conflict, really setting the stage for what happened uh, in Iraq and Kuwait. Well, much more, I think, more significant historically, this point is often missed. It was a hugely important signal to the Soviet Union, um, they, who at the time, Soviet leaders didn't think that anyone in the West would really go to war over anything. Uh, so I think that in terms of the Cold War, it was even more significant do you think uh, with Ronald Reagan, uh, Margaret Thatcher escalated the Cold War on some level with the intermediate range missile controversy and, and all the tensions that were ratcheted up in the 1980s? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, and that was seen at the time as insane, and it proved to be right. And you ask yourself, or I ask myself, where the vision came from to believe that that could be done um, and and whether she was really capable of seeing into the future or whether she was insane and lucky, I, I ask myself that all the time. And, and there's no way really to settle a, a, a debate like that. Part of the reason we can't resolve that debate is that part of her legacy is making sure we would never know whether she was making a wager or if she was absolutely confidently operating out of vision and belief. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that she had very good reasons for saying many of the things she did. Why do you think, and, and the story ends politically at least, um, on, on a Shakespearean uh, sense of tragedy, why did the conservatives uh, with John Major in the end um, abandon Margaret Thatcher, someone who really created the environment where they could be successful? I think that... It is very difficult to maintain power in a democracy beyond a certain point because to do so you have to make so many enemies. She she had caused so many of the men around her to feel embittered or slighted, and there's it's very difficult to hold on to power for that long without making enemies. Um, and politicians, after a certain point, people get tired of them, whether they're whether they're great leaders or not. People get tired of them, as Winston Churchill also discovered strategic mistakes at the end. Um, but but in the end, I think that it's not possible to stay in power in a democracy much beyond the time she did. Well, see, she certainly changed the lyrics of popular music. She caused real pain uh, among uh, uh, some in Britain who s s spoke about that pain, who sang about that pain. Uh, she transformed... Um, the, the sort of pop culture environment in Britain by being the woman everyone focused on as uh, the person who was to blame for all of the pain, um, even that's a legacy. Absolutely. I think the most important, I'm still gathering my thoughts about this because, as I said, I only just heard, but I, I think that her essential message that there is no alternative remains. We still haven't found anything that works better than what she proposed 
That's very important to remember. And uh, restoring the sense of empire in self-esteem in Britain, if not the empire itself, wouldn't you say? Whether that's permanent, I don't know. Um, Self-esteem is not quite the word I'd look for. I think um, she, for a time, and we don't know whether this is permanent, she took Britain off a trajectory in which it was believed that the only way to go was down. And we're, we're, still, we're still looking to see whether this is permanent. We're still looking to see whether this is something that will endure into the next century. Claire Belinsky, an American author based in Turkey, author of the biography of Margaret Thatcher, There Is No Alternative, Why Margaret Thatcher Matters. She's uh, dead, we learned today, at age uh, 87. Claire, thanks so much. Thank you. Something to think about there. Is there any response to continual decline, something we think about here in the United States. A few more thoughts about Margaret Thatcher, whose passing we note today. Her voice certainly was unmistakable. A student of American democracy, she told us back in 1974, when she was already a political force to be reckoned with. I was always interested in reading about the American scene. I think John Kennedy often got his ideas by getting a lot of people in front of him and getting the clash of ideas and discussion coming out of that. And I think I've probably, particularly when I was a minister, worked very much um, in that way. Not always a calm life for one's staff, but um, I hope always an interesting one. You can hear her voice there in the 1970s before the weight of uh, being prime minister changed that voice forever and turned it into that toughness, that toughness that changed politics in the UK. She was someone you loved or hated, but as we said, everyone responded to her. Hear her response to terrorism and the crisis over Northern Ireland back in 1990. You take those murders of those four people today alongside the decisions of the Supreme Court in the Republic not to extradite those accused of violent crimes. And one is very, very depressed. We need all the help we can get to fight people who attempt these murders. During her political career in power as prime minister, there was the close relationship with President Ronald Reagan, who, if he had any misgivings about his own conservative agenda in the U.S., put them aside watching Thatcher across the pond and up close. Thatcher's skepticism about the growth of the eurozone and the use of a common currency, something she opposed, fiercely opposed. Those thoughts are echoed in the debate over the European Union economic crisis even today. Here is Margaret Thatcher speaking about the head of the European Commission, Jacques Delors, back in 1990. He wanted the European Parliament to be the democratic body of the community. He wanted the Commission to be the executive, and he wanted the Council of Ministers to be the Senate. No, no, no. And there are still people in the Conservative Party and in Britain who continue to say no, no, no to the European Union. And that debate, very much set by Margaret Thatcher, still going on in Europe. Margaret Thatcher made political allies and enemies over this issue and many throughout her long career, as we've said. But when she left office, her conservative party had really abandoned her. And the voters eventually abandoned the Tories, the conservatives. But Thatcher's legacy has lived on for the changes she made in minds, in hearts, as well as politics. It's a divided legacy of positives and negatives, as we've said. But with Thatcher, everyone knew where they stood, with her or against her. Ladies and gentlemen... We're leaving Downing Street for the last time 
after 11 and a half wonderful years, and we're very happy that we leave the United Kingdom in a very, very much better state than when we came here 11 and a half years ago. Margaret Thatcher's parting shot from Number 10 Downing Street. She died today at age 87. Our Facebook family is sharing memories of Margaret Thatcher. Kelly wrote this. I was a teenager when England elected her prime minister. I thought the country was progressive for electing a woman. Aside from that distinction, I can't really express much of an opinion about the woman. But Nora in New Jersey says she had guts and grit. Bless her memory. And now back to the big story today, the death of Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, Britain's first woman prime minister and a legendary figure, perhaps the most uh, popular leader, best known leader in the UK since Winston Churchill. Patty O'Connell is host of the BBC's Broadcasting House program. Uh, Patty, you've spent your career talking about Thatcher, thinking about Thatcher, and today we'll be remembering Thatcher. What are your thoughts? I'm going back to my teenage years. I grew up in the divided Britain that she was elected to rule. And I remember the Falkland Islands uh, being invaded by Argentina and Margaret Thatcher sending a task force to the other side of the world. Uh, And recently, secret papers have just been released revealing how she fought with her great friend Ronald Reagan to make him understand what she was doing and her own colleagues around the table. So I wrap the two things together. Those papers have only just been released. This was a woman who had belief in politics. She had enemies and friends in the country, but she was absolutely unique as the first woman to lead a political party, the first woman to lead parliament, the first woman prime minister, and the longest serving prime minister of the 20th century. You know, let's let's think about the Falklands crisis for a moment, because I remember that uh, as a as a journalist in the 1980s, um, you know, with these new papers that you describe, it is unimaginable the headwind she was facing. The president of the United States, her own colleagues, military colleagues saying this is madness. Was she lucky or did she believe that this could work out? It's a great question. They'll be writing the question of how much luck played a part. But certainly there were headwinds, and she was headstrong in those winds. What we know is that Ronald Reagan and the Secretary of State at the time were urging her not to go to war with Argentina. And she had this great relationship with Ronald Reagan, Ronnie, as she called him. She rode horses with him. They shared so much in common, uh, an economic view, a view of what the state should be. And she used her friendship to speak very forcefully to the uh, White House about why she couldn't agree with him. We've only just seen how forceful those are in the release of the papers. And we also saw she had to fight her own political friends to do it. Now, what happened immediately after the UK won the Falklands War was that she was re-elected, and a lot of the political enemies she faced within her own party just shut up for a long period of time, but they got their eventual revenge. You know, Patty, thinking about history here, if uh, Thatcher hadn't battled that headwind, hadn't invaded the Falklands, I don't think Ronald Reagan would have expelled Saddam Hussein from Kuwait. Uh, The reaction to 9-11 would have been completely different. The world as we know it would not be the same, perhaps would barely even resemble what we see today. Yes, no. Oh, 
amazing to think that way. People are saying that she changed the weather of British politics, that they haven't yet told us that the Falcons set the stage for swift interventions, because many of those interventions have dragged on, whereas the Falcons was over within mm. a couple of months as a, as, as, a, as a conflict. So what we're hearing on the British airwaves today, as the flag, uh, the Union flag, flies at half-mast above uh, Number 10 Downing Street, is that there are people who won't forgive her. She took on the miners, the trades unions, but there are people who won't forget her, who think she saved the country and she changed the political weather. Well, as we've said, uh, you always knew which side you were on with Maggie Thatcher, one side or the other. Patty O'Connell, host of the BBC's Broadcasting House. Thanks as always, Patty. Thank you, John. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.